or whether we pray is that we can pray through Scripture. And I wanted to pick a little part called Psalm 16. It's up there. Um, and part of the reason I wanted to do that is what do you do when you're stressed or when you're scared or when you're anxious? Like, do you go to God's word? And what we're going to see the story with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is that Philip knew scripture and it was there all the time. And so maybe for you, you're like, I don't know where to start reading in my Bible. Um, I just wanted to read the first four verses of Psalm 16. I'm going to pray that real quick because every time we read God's prayer or God's word, we can pray. And so I want to do that because if you don't know a psalm or somewhere in the Bible to start reading, Psalm 16 is a great one. I'll tell you why in a minute. And then I'm going to read it, explain it, pray, and then we're going to get into Acts 8 if you have your Bibles. All right, so David wrote this, and he wrote this when he was kind of honestly in a good time, but he also writes good psalms when he's stressed. And it says this, Psalm 16, verses 1 through 4. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. And I'll read this last part. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So I'm going to pray through that. But guys, part of the reason we read God's word is because we want it to shape our hearts. And so I don't know where you are this week. Before we get into the word, I kind of want us to reflect on where we are. Maybe some of you are in a really good spot because you had a great weekend. Maybe you're like me, you watched the dunk contest last night, it was pretty fun. Um, maybe you had a hard week, you know, and I honestly, in middle school, I had a lot of hard weekends, so I get that too. But what we see here is that David can praise God in all the good things. And so if you haven't really read, if you're not reading our Bible reading plan, but you want to read something really quick, even go to the Psalms because it communicates a lot of how we feel. So I'm going to pray that, and then we're going to get into God's word through Acts 8. All right. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that David can say in the good times and the hard times, he knows that you're God, that you're in control of everything going on in his life. Lord, that he can praise you even when he's being chased, that he knows that you love him. Lord, may we see in the book of Acts today how you love your people, how you love your people so much that you would create a divine intervention, Lord, that you would create a meeting that wouldn't normally happen. Lord, thank you for your son. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, turn to Acts 8. If not, it will be on the screen in a minute. But I kind of want to set us up real quick. So maybe it's your first Sunday or maybe it's, you've been traveling a little bit with sports or whatever going on. We're going through Acts on Sunday mornings. And a theme, it's not on the slide, so don't freak out, Jack. It's not on there. A slide we have is nothing can stop the power of the gospel. Part of the reason that we've been doing this theme is all throughout the book of Acts, God is going to take these apostles. Jesus is gone. We talked about it the first few weeks. Jesus came and he lived uh, 30 years, 33 years, did his ministry, and he's in heaven. But what happens now that Jesus is gone? How are the apostles going to act? And through the Holy Spirit, we see that the church is going to thrive because we're here this morning. The fact that we're here and we're in God's word together, we know they did what Jesus told them to do, to go make disciples. Um, but we're going to pick up in Acts 8, verse 26. And in this, we're going to see this Ethiopian man, and I'm going to have some maps in a minute. But really what I want us to see before I read out of Acts is this person came from a faraway place. And God is going to bring Philip to minister to him because here's the main idea. Jack, you can go ahead and jump to the main idea slide, and we'll go back to the others. The main idea is the gospel redefines our family, and we're going to talk about that in three ways based on what we're about to read. The calling of the eunuch, because we meet a eunuch man. Um, Philip sharing the gospel is the second point, And the eunuch response in faith. Those are how we're going to talk about how the gospel redefines our family. But I'm going to go ahead and open up. We're going to talk about that. That's a good question. We're going to talk about that. But we're going to be in Acts 8, starting in verse 30. I'm going to read from there. 
Actually, yeah, starting in verse 30. So Philip ran to meet this eunuch and heard him reading Isaiah and the prophet and asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep was led to the slaughter and like a lamb was before its shear, it's silent. So he opens not his mouth and his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning with scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to see some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went out on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Asotis, and he passed through, and he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Again, I'm going to pray, because we just read God's word. Amen. Explain what we read. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word and the clarity that comes from it. God, we lift up this morning. We lift up all that you're going to show us through this encounter. Lord, may we see that you love us the way that you love this Ethiopian man. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so a question was asked. What is a eunuch? More of a general term of what a eunuch is, but the calling of the eunuch, if we want to see what's going on, is we see a man. Could you pull up that first map for me real quick, Jack? What we see right here is Philip, who's in Jerusalem, about to go meet this man on the road to God. You see that red line? That is basically Philip is in Jerusalem, and he's moving farther out, and he's going to meet this man. Now, what's really cool about this story, besides that this guy, I'm going to show you another map in a minute, wasn't from around here is what we read last week about how the stoning of Stephen, after that, the gospel is spread. I don't know if y'all were here the first week, but the first week, Jesus said, I want you to go bring the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we kind of skipped a little bit, but in between this guy named Stephen dying, and at this point of the story, the gospel is going out. Because nothing can stop the power of the gospel. It's going out, and they're sharing it all around the region. And now, can you pull up that second map for me, Jack? This is where the Ethiopian man was coming from. So if you were to see a farther corner on the top right, that would be where Israel is. He's coming a long way. And we're going to talk about the calling of this eunuch and why he's doing that. Because that's huge that he would move all of that way. So first off, this guy would have, I'll read a little bit of the text to describe it. And I'll tell you what we're reading. Um, so it says, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So that's a lot of titles. Just basically know this guy was so high up in the government of Ethiopia. Um, he was a eunuch, so basically that means that he couldn't marry. That means he wasn't able to have kids. And because of that, he sought to climb and find status in working. And what we see through this Ethiopian man, at least, um, is that he wasn't satisfied. He wasn't satisfied with, every, with climbing the corporate ladder. He wasn't satisfied. I'll answer more in a minute. But he wasn't satisfied with everything that was around him. And guys, I want us to think about that for a minute. As he's drawing near to Jerusalem, what we learn about this calling of the eunuch is that he thought he could be happy climbing and being successful at what he did. He thought he could be happy in all of these different things that weren't God. But God was using those situations to show him that that didn't matter. What about you this morning? Maybe for you, you know, most of you are not working. I'd say most of you probably don't have a job, but a lot of us go to school. I think most of you are in school. What matters to you? Would you say you find your identity in your performance in sports? Would you say you find your identity in how you do with grades? Maybe your friend group. What are you chasing after? 
What we see with the Ethiopian man is he was chasing status a little bit, and God's going to show him, hey, it's not found there. Um, for y'all, it might be the approval of your friends. You know, when I was in middle school, it was like this for me, and I don't think it's changed that much. Um, in fact, I kind of wrote down some of the things that I struggled with, but I definitely wanted the right friend group. I think we all kind of have people we want to be with. And when I first came to middle school from a different school, it's like, these are the guys, my friends on the football team, those are the guys I really want to be my friend. Um, I wanted to make the right grades because my siblings are both way better at school than me. And I was always insecure about, man, they do really good at school. I want to be like that. And I don't know, maybe you chase um, how you do on the sports field. Unfortunately for football, I was always B team, you know? And that's okay. But there are things in life that we say, if we had these things, we would be happy. We would be satisfied. And so this Ethiopian man is going to leave this country. He's going to leave Africa, in fact. And he's going to go all the way towards Jerusalem because he realized everything that was in his home country wasn't satisfying and only worshiping God could. And so we're going to go to the next point about how uh, Philip shares the gospel. What's really cool about this story is Philip, and we kind of didn't read the first part of it, but because we said nothing can stop the power of the gospel, God is going to want this eunuch who is very far off. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But it was very far off to come to faith. And so what does God do? It says through the spirit he moved Philip. I don't even fully know what that means. It says that an angel of the Lord said, rise, go towards the south. And um, he went and he eventually finds this eunuch. And what's really cool, I don't know how many of you have ever tried to share your faith or know the word of God. Part of the reason I had us read Psalm 16 is because it's good to know God's word and pray it, right? If some of you have done communicants. And if you've done communicants, you know the Romans road, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know that if we confess with our lips and believe in our heart, Jesus, Lord, you will be saved. Maybe some of you don't know those scriptures, but part of the reason I'm saying this, guys, is when Philip shares the gospel with this guy, it's because he knew the word of God. And in fact, what we see right here is this guy was reading on his own because he was seeking after God, this scroll of Isaiah. How many of you have ever read the book of Isaiah, right? It's an Old Testament prophet. And there's a lot of hard things that are going on. And it's kind of hard to understand. But literally, this guy is reading a part that says, Like a sheep was led to slaughter, and like a lamb before shear is silent, he opens not his mouth. And he looks up at Philip, and he goes, What's that about? Now imagine some one of your friends, maybe they're not a Christian, maybe they are a Christian, they're trying to read their Bible. They open up to a random spot in the Bible, maybe you're not familiar with. And they ask you, What's this about? Maybe you've had those moments, maybe you haven't. If you have had those moments, even on staff when y'all ask us questions, if I don't know it, I might be like, that's a good question. Let me go back and read it. But what I want y'all to see is Philip didn't have to do that because he knew God's word. He knew God's word so well that when this person is reading this story, he's able to be like, let me tell you about this God who loves you. And part of the reason I want to see how Philip shared the gospel is so powerful is maybe for you, like you come on Sunday mornings and you feel like you connect. Maybe you feel like you come to church or small group. And you know that God loves you, and you feel very connected to the church. And we hope that's your case. Maybe that's your story. That's not this Ethiopian man's story. And so what we know, I'm not going to pull up all the verses, but God's word tells us, if you were a eunuch in the Old Testament, you couldn't worship in the temple. And that's really significant for a lot of different reasons, a lot of the old law. This eunuch under the Old Covenant wouldn't have been allowed to worship God in his temple. The fact that he is from Ethiopia would mean he's a Gentile. Maybe you've heard that word, maybe you haven't, but all that means is he's not Jewish, he's like us. And because he wasn't Jewish, he couldn't worship God in his temple, right? There are a lot of reasons why this man could not worship God in his temple under the Old Covenant. But what we see is how God loved this man so much that he's going to call him out of Ethiopia. 
He's going to call him to Israel, and he's going to call one of his followers to come meet this man. Because he loved this man so much. This man wouldn't have been able to worship God unless God sought after him. And God sought after him and loved him. The same way that God seeks after us and loves us. And what's so cool is this man was reading a scripture that points to Jesus. Maybe for you, you read your Bible and you struggle to read it. That's okay. But one thing I want to tell you, the more you read it, the more you see how Jesus is all in the Bible. Again, this is in the Old Testament. And this man wants to know, like, what's this sheep that was going to be slaughtered? And this guy is able to say, maybe for you this morning you know the gospel, but if you don't, this is what Philip shares. He says, this sheep was Jesus. This Jesus did what the Old Testament couldn't do. Because every time we mess up, I think y'all heard that, but every time you're not perfect, every time you disobey, every time you do something, that's sin, right? And God's word tells us how sin separates us from God. And in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would kill an animal, they would sacrifice it, and the blood, it wouldn't forgive sin, but it would harden it briefly if it makes sense. It wouldn't get, do away with sin, but it would be like, hey, for this moment, though your sins are not paid for, you're not under the weight of it fully. And what we see is Jesus loving us. We kind of talked about this throughout Acts, but it's so important to see. Jesus saw that the only way for the, that sacrifice to mean something is if it was God himself. And so God in flesh, Jesus came and lived a sinless life. He was like a sheep that was led to the slaughter. I don't know how many of y'all have worked with animals. I'm from the country. And so uh, I've got to work with sheep a little bit. They're not very smart. And God's word says we're like sheep because we act like sheep a lot. And sheep normally, um, they aren't very silent, right? But it says he was led to the slaughter like a lamb before its shear is silent. And there are a lot of times when there's weight or there's sin or there maybe for you there's conflict, you're not going to be quiet. And usually when you're going to kill a sheep, it's not very quiet because it tries to defend itself. It wants to live. But what we see is Jesus knew that he had to be silent because if he didn't die for our sins, we couldn't be made right with God. And so what he gets to tell this Ethiopian is this man, this A God who you've not been able to get to know, but he's chasing after you. He wants you to know you. He wants you to know that he loves you. And you're coming all this way, but he's been seeking you your whole life. And so, guys, we're going to talk about what that means in a minute. But I kind of want to give an example of, like, this encounter was so supernatural that you can only see that it was God chasing after him. Could you go to the next picture for me, Jack? This is my senior year of high school, but I got to go on this college trip called Beach Reach. It's where you go share your faith with people at, on a beach because there are a lot of people who do spring breaks where they're not seeking after God. And what's so cool about these trips, that's the team. I'm in the red hat up top. I don't look anything like me now, but that's me in high school. Um, but the cool thing about these trips, like you go and you have a lot of people share faith and you can see very clearly there are a lot of people who might hear God's word, guys, and they're not going to respond. Like, maybe you've shared the gospel with your friends, and they don't come to know Jesus right then. I think some of y'all know I have family members that I'm constantly praying for and telling tell them the gospel, and they don't know it yet. Um, and so we got to see with thousands of college kids on this beach, some would share the gospel, we'd share it all day. We'd go to these different things, we'd offer pancakes late night and give people rides home. We would be on the beach, and we would share faith with people who are maybe going out, and they're playing, like, maybe they're just having a good time on the beach. There's a lot of things going on. And you would always see, like, it doesn't matter how good you are at sharing the gospel, and hopefully y'all know it, um, not everyone's going to come to faith. And what we would see with the Ethiopian eunuch, and what we would see in our life, and what I even saw on this trip, where there would be moments where someone would share something, and maybe it wasn't even that profound. Maybe someone shared just a little bit of something. It wasn't the best presentation of the gospel. But people came to faith. Because it's not about, hopefully, you know God's 
word, guys, but it's not about how well you can sell. It's about God loving people and calling people to faith. And he's going to use your opportunities to tell your friends about Jesus to do that. It might be like some of my family members who I tell them every day, and they're not there. That's because God hasn't called them yet. But what we see with this Ethiopian man is God called him out of Egypt or Africa, and he's calling him to faith, and it's so powerful. So the last point before we do some discussion, I want us to see this, how the, the eunuch responds in faith. This is supposed to be like us. So, guys, maybe for you, you hear God's word, and it hasn't taken root in your heart yet. Jesus says that every time the gospel is shared, some people, it takes root like a seed, and it grows. Maybe for some, it takes root, and it gets choked out because birds eat it, right? Or it gets choked out because, I don't know how many of you have a garden, but animals like seeds, they'll eat it. And that's a picture of our life about how things will come, and they'll eat it, and they'll come destroy our faith. But here's what we see. This man, for whatever reason, God called him to faith, and he heard the message of the gospel for the first time. And he said he wanted to be baptized. We're going to talk about this for a second. But what I want us to see is he heard this, and he basically was like, hey, the things that I was looking for in life that would make me whole, I don't have to chase after them anymore. The things that I thought would make me happy and satisfied, I don't have to chase those anymore. Because he met God for the first time and God changed his heart. And it says this. Um, so they were going along the road and there was water. And so from everything this, that was a part of the Old Testament and even a part of the culture about cleansing, he knew that baptism, which we're going to talk about, was a sign of faith. And he said this. Um, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water and Philip in the eunuch and he baptized him. So here's what we're going to do. Maybe some of you this morning have been baptized when you were an infant, when you were baptized into this church. That's awesome. That's great. Maybe some of you have never been baptized in your life. I'm going to challenge you all at some point, if you would say you're a Christian, to get baptized. Because here's what it says. The same way that God sought after that eunuch, God seeks after us. And it's called covenant. It's maybe a word you've heard in church, but it means this. That God makes a covenant with his people. And if you would say you're a Christian this morning, it means he won't leave you or forsake you. It means that he loves you. He knows that you're not going to be perfect. That's why Jesus died for that. But he's going to call you to trust him. He's going to call you to live that out this morning. He's going to call you to do things out of a love for him. You know, I think that one of the best examples I can give is maybe some of your parents make you do chores. Um, maybe y'all do chores, maybe you don't. I didn't do a lot of chores growing up. But if your parents give you chores and you do them, you do it because you love your parents. Maybe you're afraid, but hopefully it's because you love your parents. If you don't do chores, you're still their kid. You're just being disobedient. But if you do the chores your parents ask you to do, you're being obedient out of a love for your parents, hopefully. God calls us to respond in faith. Every time the gospel is preached, um, we respond in some way. And so for maybe for some of you, you come to church in small group, you hear God's word taught, and then you're like, that's good. Um, if you were at church today, Pastor Mark, I'll give this example because it was very helpful. I think most of y'all know the thing In-N-Out Burger. If you were in service, you heard this. And he said, you're either in or you're out. And I thought that was very helpful. Because y'all see In-N-Out Burger, you know the sign. But here's what he's trying to say about how we respond in faith. Guys, if you come to church or small group and it's not real and then you pretend it's real, you're not in Christ, right? Because it's something we either, not perfectly, but it's something we either want to do or we don't do. And if you choose not to do it, if you come to church and it's not important to you, I want you to pray through, why is it not important to you? Because every time God calls us to do something in faith, we respond. Not perfectly. There are plenty of stories in my life where, like, um, whether it be on that beach or other examples where God maybe told me to share faith with someone or 
be kind to someone. I, I think like a lot of us know the lunchroom pretty well. And the lunchroom can be fun, but it can be awkward. And sometimes you might even see someone sitting by themselves. And maybe you feel prompting if you're a Christian to go talk to them. But you don't do it because you feel uncomfortable. That can happen. But what God calls us to do is, hey, if you're a Christian this morning, not only do we spend time with God in his word and prayer, because that's how we know it. So if someone like the, the unit came up and asked, what's this say? We can answer, hey, this is God's word. Let me tell you about it. But also, if we believe it's real, it's going to shape how we live. And so, guys, it's going to be more than just how we read our Bibles. It's going to be – we have a three-on-three tournament tomorrow. Um, people get really heated in sports. I don't know if that's you. That wasn't quite me. But I got a lot of friends who get heated when they play sports. And it's really easy when you're playing a sport and maybe a ref gets a call wrong and maybe it's against you to want to get angry at him. Maybe your friend messed up. Um, if you're a Rangers fan, y'all are too young to remember this, but the, the second World Series I'll never forget because we had an outfielder who played too shallow, and he blew it. And it's really easy when you see those things to get angry because something didn't happen that should happen. And what I want to test you all with this morning, sports is a good example. When you're stressed or when you're frustrated, are you going to have fruit of the Spirit come out? Are you spending time with God so you know how to treat people? Or, guys, it's going to happen in all of our lives, but is it too common that when something hard happens or maybe someone mistreats you, you're angry at them? Maybe you gossip about them. Maybe someone said something, so at school you're going to gossip about them the next day. And that hurts. Maybe for you, someone did something in sports, and so you're going to check them really hard next time you get a chance to do a drill with them. We all have things like that. But guys, responding in faith, if we believe that God loves us and he wants good things for us, it's trusting him, right? It's trusting him. Like the, the eunuch like, had to leave his country. He had to leave his country and walk thousands of miles to come to Jerusalem because God was telling him to go. Philip had to meet a guy, and we didn't read the full story, but he sees a guy basically running on a chariot, and God's like, hey, that guy on the chariot, I want you to run up to him, I want you to tell him about what he's reading. Imagine, again, in a situation, you're in school, and God's like, I want you to share your faith with this person. That's what Philip has to do. Instead of being like, this is so awkward, I've never seen this guy, he's a Gentile, um, from, my religious, from his beliefs back in the day, he wouldn't have associated with him. He's like, I'm not going to do that. But guys, what I want us to see about how we also respond to I said is basically the spirit redefines our family. What we see and what we're going to read later with Peter and this guy named Cornelius, but we see it right here with this eunuch. This eunuch would have been someone not that Philip would not have hung out with on a lot of levels. They would never have hung out. They would never have been friends. There were too many reasons why you could go through where they're from. You could go through what they believe. They just couldn't be friends. But what we see is, hey, what God is saying is if you believe in me, you're a family. So even think about that this morning. Maybe whether it be someone in this room or someone you would say who goes to church, he's a Christian. God's word says that's our family. It's our family in the faith. And so as we talk about what it means to respond in faith, it doesn't always mean you have to be best friends with each other. But can you say that if someone's a Christian that you treat them the way you'd want to be treated? Even if they're not, do you treat them the way you'd want to be treated? But do you see people who are Christians as your brothers and sisters in the faith? Maybe you're like me and you have siblings and we're all close now, but being the middle child growing up, we were not close. Her brother picked on me all the time. And then I had a little sister and she was the baby of the family. So she got to do things like just punch me. And my parents didn't say anything, right? So maybe that's what you think about when you think of family. But what I want us to think about when we think about family is hopefully you have close, me uh, sorry, close moments with your siblings. But if not, what a family of God looks like is, hey, it's loving people like maybe you love your best friends. 
It's loving people like hopefully you love your parents. And it's treating people like that. And so there are times where, hey, maybe you need to call a friend out in love. That's responding in faith. Maybe they're gossiping about someone, and you say, hey, that's not okay. We're not going to talk about someone that way. Maybe they're being angry for whatever reason, and they're just going off, and they're saying things they shouldn't. It's that. But it's also, guys, maybe it's learning to read God's word together. Maybe it's like as we do the three-on-three tomorrow, hopefully you have friends who aren't from church. And if they're all from church, that's great too. Y'all can hang out and have fun together. But, guys, God's word says we're a family, so that changes how we see things. That changes how we treat people. Um, And so before I close this in prayer, I want you to think about this today. Do you believe Jesus is Lord? Do you believe he's your Savior? And if you do believe that, does your life reflect that? It's not going to be perfect, but when you hear God telling you to do something or when you read God's word, do you think about it? Or do you do what's very common? It's not, if you do this, you're not alone, but plenty of people, even myself, maybe on a certain Sunday, maybe I leave church and then I think about food or the Cowboys. We're not playing right now. Or I put a podcast on and I don't think about God's word until I have to again. Maybe that's how you live. And if that's how you live this morning, I want to encourage you. God wants more for you. He wants you to trust him in faith. And that calls us to do things that could be fun and scary. And he loves us and he sees us through it either way. So we have some questions that I want us to discuss. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to break out into discussion groups. I'll direct that. And then if your groups are done, I'll look around and I'll dismiss you. Some of you might be done a little bit earlier than the others. I'll make sure if I see that y'all are just talking, I'll break y'all up and go from there. But I'm going to pray and I'm going to break you into groups. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that, like the eunuch, you love us and you seek after us, Lord. And even if we feel far from you this morning, Jesus died to bring us near to you. And so, Lord, may we see how you love us. May we see how you connect with us and how we can trust you.